today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. book of Romans, we are fixing to close out the introductory verses of Romans chapter 1. Let's pick it up in verse 16, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. It's the story of how God sent his son into this world to die on a cross, which is one of the worst ways that a human being could die. But this was all God's plan, God's design. Jesus came into this world to pay the sin debt of man. He died for our sins, for all mankind, not just white folks and black folks, but the entirety of the whole world. And it's our faith in what Jesus did at the cross, and that alone is what saves us. Now, Paul said he wasn't ashamed of it. Because it was the power of God. Now, this was a stumbling block to the Jews because the scripture says, Cursed is everyone that hangs upon a tree. And to them, if Jesus was the Messiah, then God would not have allowed him to die in such a fashion. And they couldn't grasp that. They couldn't understand that. But the truth is, Jesus became a curse to redeem us. If you will, go to Galatians 3 in verse 13. Galatians 3, verse 13. The Bible says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, as it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. So, like I said, this was a stumbling block. To the Jews, they had a hard time with it, and it was foolishness to the Greeks. The cross was Rome's emblem of power. There were crucifixions carried out in public everywhere in plain view for everybody to see. And uh, they, they did this to intimidate, humiliate their enemies. If you saw somebody hanging on a cross... It was because they were defeated by Rome. They had come against the Roman government in some way, and that was their demise. Rome got them and hung them on a cross, and you didn't want to go to a cross. So in the mind of the Greeks, 
anybody that hung on a cross was defeated. And Paul comes along and says that Jesus Christ died on the cross, and that's the power of God. And it was foolishness to them. They didn't understand it. But uh, Paul said it is the power of God, and he wasn't ashamed of it. And we shouldn't be ashamed of it either. How can a dead man hanging on a piece of wood have any power in it? Well, had it been just any man, understand, there would be no power in it. But that one that hung on that piece of wood was Jesus Christ. He was the Son of God. Therefore, He is God. And when He died on Calvary's cross, He paid that sin debt. And when He paid that sin debt, it opened up the door for the power of the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts and lives. There's your power right there. That when Jesus paid that sin debt, it opened up the door for the Holy Spirit to come inside. And he starts to change us. Jesus paid the ultimate price for our redemption. And like I said, with the sin problem addressed, uh, the Holy Spirit has that freedom. The Holy Spirit comes inside, and we have the Spirit, but has the Spirit got us? Think about what I've just said. The Holy Spirit comes inside, and we have Him, but has He got us? When the Holy Spirit comes inside, He puts that sin nature in a state of remission, binds Him up. And then the Holy Spirit helps us to live right. That's why Paul said in verse 17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Notice that. Romans 1 verse 17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Righteousness is simply that which is right. But it's not right as man defines it. It is right as God defines it in his word. And righteousness and holiness is what God requires. He will not accept anything less than that. Perfection, if you will. How many of you are perfect? I got my camera up here. I'm ready to take a picture of you. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But like I said, God will only accept perfection. The problem is none of us have perfection. We do not have the ability to bring forth and produce righteousness, holiness, and perfection. And without holiness, no man shall see God. So that puts us in a bad situation. We're bankrupt as it pertains to righteousness. So what happens? In order for us to have righteousness and holiness, it's got to be God's righteousness and holiness. And he gives it to us. He simply gives it to us the moment we put our faith in Christ and his finished work. That righteousness is then deposited into our account. And... Uh, it's by faith, as it says there in verse 17, faith to faith, from faith to faith. 
And once that righteousness is deposited into our account, it'll be revealed. It'll show up. It'll come out. Others will be able to see it. If somebody tells you they're saved and there's not been a change in their life, they can say what they want to say. They got a counterfeit. You hear what I said? If somebody comes up and tells you that they got saved and you don't see a change, something's wrong. Their faith ain't right or something because the righteousness of God will be revealed in their lives. You can't hide it. You'll be able to see it. Now, it may take a little time. But sooner or later, that righteousness is going to come out. You're going to see it. Uh, That person uh, will start coming to church like they're supposed to. That person will start reading their Bible like they're supposed to. Those those people will start participating in things. You'll see uh, their language being cleaned up. The group of people they hang around, the influences, everything in their lives will change. Like I said, that righteousness will be revealed, and it's all done by faith. As it is written, latter part of verse 17, the just shall live by faith. The moment you get saved, you are justified. Just if I'd never sinned. I am just I am righteous, I am holy, I am perfect in the sight of God. And it's not because of anything that I've done. It's not because of anything that I've quit doing. I am just, I am righteous in the sight of God. I am perfect because my faith is in the one that is perfect. You understand what I'm saying? Now, catch this. Faith gets you in. Faith is what keeps you in. If you obtained this righteousness by doing something, then it stands to reason that you could lose the righteousness by doing something. I guess what I'm trying to say is this. You don't lose your salvation because you commit an act of sin. All of us fall short. But if you lose your faith, faith gets you in. Faith keeps you in. Now, I'm not giving you a license to sin. I'm not telling you you just go out here and do it. If you're truly saved... The Holy Spirit's in your heart. Like You want to live right. You want to do right. Now, our flesh may want some things, but the inward man wants to live right. And that's the change that takes place down on the inside. The just shall live by faith. The just shall not live by doing. Now, if you're right and the Holy Spirit's inside, you're going to do things. You're going, to, you're going to do those things which are Christ-like, and the list goes on and on with that. Let me tell you how we live for God. Galatians 2 and verse 20. 
Galatians 2 and 20. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Notice that. I am crucified with Christ. In the mind of God, when Jesus died on that cross, you died with him. The old sinful you that you used to be, you died with Jesus Christ. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Let me tell you something. The only real life there is, is to be in Christ Jesus. There is no life outside of him. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I. It's not me. It's not me keeping a bunch of rules and regulations. It's not me trying to live right by my own ability, strength, willpower, education, talent, none of that stuff. It's not me trying to do anything, yet not I. But it's Christ that lives in me. It's the Lord working within us through and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the life which I now live in the flesh, the lifestyle that I live out in front of everybody, and everybody can see it, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith. There you have it. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The just shall live by faith. I live every day simply by keeping my faith anchored in what Jesus did for me at the cross. Now, we've looked at how the righteousness of God is revealed in the heart and life of the believer. Romans 1, verse 17. Now we want to look at how the wrath of God is revealed in verse 18 for those who do not believe. Romans 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. The wrath of God is God's personal emotion towards sin. He cannot and will not tolerate sin in any way, shape, form, or fashion. When Jesus was on the cross, bearing the sins of mankind... Haven, if you will, go to uh, Matthew 27. Matthew 27, uh, verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour... Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I want you to notice that. Jesus uttered those words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
It's almost as if though at that point in time that God pulled the blinds. He wouldn't even so much as look upon his own son. And he judged his own son because he was bearing the sins of the world. Like I said, God cannot and will not tolerate sin in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Now, we've got to be careful because there are some groups out here today that say you can do whatever you want to do and you're not going to lose your salvation. They believe once saved, always saved, or they believe in predestination. God has predestinated some people to be saved, and uh, no matter what you do, you can't lose it. At the same time, they believe that there are some people that are predestined to, to go to hell, and there's nothing they can do to be saved. And what they leave out is man's free will of choice. We have a choice. Whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. We've got to be careful with so anything, any doctrine that tolerates sin in any way is best to leave it alone because God's not going to tolerate it. He didn't even tolerate it in his own son, although Jesus never sinned, but he took upon himself the sins of the whole world. God forsook Christ on the cross. Now, we've got people today who say, you know, well, since Jesus died on the cross, we're under grace now. And God don't look at sin the same way now that he did back then. Well, let's take a look at what Paul had to say about it. Acts chapter 17, verse 30. Acts 17, verse 30. And the times of this ignorance, speaking of the Old Testament times before Jesus came, the times of this ignorance God winked at. In other words, back in Old Testament times before Jesus came, there were some things uh, that God overlooked. But now, since the cross, since Jesus come on the scene, died on the cross and was raised from the dead, he commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Now what exactly does that mean? It means that since Jesus came and died on Calvary, rose from the dead, the Holy Spirit now has far more access to this world and men in general than he did in the past. Let me say that again. Since Jesus died on Calvary and the Holy Spirit has now come on the scene in a measure that he didn't in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit has far more access to the world and men in general than he did back in Old Testament times. So, man is without excuse. Ignorance is no longer an excuse. People know the truth. They know it. But they hold it down. They choose to suppress it or either they reject it altogether because they just want to keep on sinning. And that angers God. 
I believe that that's the reason why the weather patterns are like they are today. The weather, the floods, the tornadoes, the hurricanes, um, disasters, earthquakes, war, famine, the list goes on and on. It's the judgment of God being poured out against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They suppress it. They hold it down. They resist it. Let's take a look at that phrase for just a minute. Romans 1.18, latter part of that verse, holding the truth in unrighteousness. Now, the rest of Romans chapter 1 deals with the Gentile world. Chapters 2 going on through chapter 3 and down to verse 21 of the third chapter deals with the Jewish world. The sin problem in both parties, whether Jew or Gentile, the sin problem revolves around this phrase right here. Romans 1.18, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. God has revealed the truth to everybody, to both the Jews and the Greeks, and he's done it through creation and conscience. Move down, if you will, to verse 19, Romans 1.19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power in Godhead so that they are without excuse. No one has any excuse. God has proven his existence through creation, and we're all going to have to answer to him. But we've got some people out here to, that uh, refuse to accept the truth. They resist it. They believe in some big bang theory, or they say we evolved from monkeys, or some foolishness like that. But let me tell you, those who hear the truth, and they suppress it, resist it, deny it, ignore it. They're holding the truth in unrighteousness, and the wrath of God will be revealed. Just like the righteousness of God is revealed in the lives of those who believe, the wrath of God will be revealed in the lives of those who do not believe. And let me give you some examples of this. John Lennon was a singer with the Beatles. During an interview with an American magazine in 1966, he said, Christianity will end. It will disappear. I do not have to argue about that. I am certain. Jesus was okay, but his subjects were too simple. Today, we are more famous than him. A short time later, after saying that, John Lennon was shot six times. Tancredo Neves 
was the president-elect of Brazil. During the presidential campaign, he said if he got 500,000 votes from his party, not even God would be able to remove him from presidency. He got his votes, but he got sick the day before taking oath and died. Cazuza was a bisexual Brazilian composer, singer, and poet. During a show in Rio de Janeiro while smoking a cigarette, he puffed out some smoke into the air and said, God, this is for you. He died a horrible death at the age of 32 with lung cancer. This story right here will be very familiar to you. After constructing the largest passenger steamship in the world, a reporter asked a man who built it, How safe is this ship? The man said, Not even God can sink it. But on the night of April 14, 1912, during the ship's maiden voyage, the Titanic hit an iceberg in the northern Atlantic and sunk two hours and 40 minutes later, killing 1,517 people. Marilyn Monroe, actress. Billy Graham went to see her during the presentation of a show. He said the Spirit of God had sent him there to preach to her. After hearing what he had to say, Marilyn Monroe said, I don't need your Jesus. A week later, she was found dead in her apartment. Bon Scott, singer of the rock band ACDC. In 1979, he sang, Don't Stop Me, I'm Going Down All the Way, Down the Highway to Hell. On February 19, 1980, Bon Scott was found dead, having choked on his own vomit. Christine Hewitt, Jamaican journalist and entertainer, said that the Bible was the worst book ever written. In June of 2006, she was found burnt beyond recognition in her car. In Capinas, Brazil, in 2005, a group of young people went to pick up a friend. As the mother accompanied her daughter to the car, she got worried. She took her daughter by the hand and said, Go with God and he will protect you. She responded and said, it's too full in here. God will have to ride in the trunk. Hours later, a knock on the mother's door brought news that they had been involved in a fatal accident and everyone had died. The car was so mangled that you couldn't even recognize what type it was. But surprisingly enough, the trunk was still intact. And when the police popped the trunk, they found a crate of eggs and not a one was broken. Think of that. So understand this tonight. Just as the righteousness of God is revealed in the lives of those of us who believe, the wrath of God is also revealed in the lives of those who do not believe. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. 
Go to EstablishedInTheFaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.